little different format on the uh, live stream. You people watching that live stream may notice the difference. I may leave the picture once in a while. Go ahead and pick it, yeah. And so we're focusing more so you can see the expressions of the person talking as well as uh, uh, this particular thing, uh, both, both here and there, which right now nothing's on there, is it? Oh, yeah, that's it. Isn't it? That's, my, that's my slide. Well, that'll be that'll appear right on the camera, right in the uh, whole deal. So it's a lot better, and it is. It's really an improvement. And brother Harris, I hope you like it when you see it. I want you to give it a real good, close look inspection. And if you don't like it, we'll fix it. I'm doing a little. You know, the Bible says repetition builds learning, but I'm not quite. I wasn't quite through or happy with my Sunday night message. Did not. There were some gaps in it that I did, I wanted to deal with, and so tonight I'm going to uh, give you some new material, and I'm going to mix a little bit of old material that you already heard last Sunday, or if you weren't there last Sunday, or if you weren't listening in on last Sunday, then you can uh, be benefited by this, and of course, it always benefits you. I've sang, I've sang Amazing Grace a thousand times. I still love to sing it. I've never been ashamed of repeating the Bible. I think you should read it every year. And boy, I love the repeated in memory verses and stuff like that, but uh, it's a beautiful thing. Let me talk to you. Let me read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Well-known passage. Memorized by, by the way. By the way, is Vito here? Vito, where you at? I heard rumors you finished the deck of cards. You finished that deck of cards. That verse he told on Sunday night was the last verse that you had to do. That was a real accomplishment, brother. You know, I was gonna, I'm going to say this, and I know you don't have to agree with me, but you have changed. Mama? Mama? God's Word will change you against your will, almost. If you'll bury yourself in the Bible, and it will change you. You'll become more like Christ. It's just, I'm telling you, I've seen it year after. Honestly, you're different in a better way. In a better way. Appreciate it. But the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout. This is considered as a pre-tribulation passage, meaning uh, this, this coming of Christ here in First uh, Thessalonians chapter four is considered as the rapture verses. Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then they which are alive and remain, I hope that's me, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort you one another with these words. Someday, whether you're dead or whether you're alive, God's coming for you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I thought tonight as I heard Brother Zook up there singing, it reminded me of you and Bobby singing years ago. A little bit. A little bit reminded me of that. And so it's a beautiful thing to be a born-again Christian. Uh, you, nothing can separate us from the love of God, love of Christ. What can separate us from love of Christ? Nothing. 
First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, 52 is, are also considered rapture verses. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, which is the form, a word used in the Bible for death as a Christian is sleep. Because I believe it's, it's because sleep is a temporary state. It's not trying to emphasize that when you're sleeping, you're unconscious because you're not unconscious. I had a nightmare. I dreamt all kinds of stuff last night. I had a nightmare in the morning. Yeah, how many of you ever had a stress dream where it's an unsolvable deal? You know, you're trying to run, you're in water up to your waist, you can't, and you got a you got an 800 pound, you got an 800 pound grizzly chasing you, and no matter how you move, your legs are like paralyzed, and and you wake up, and you go, Whoa. man, I'm glad that's not so. I can't tell you how many times I've woken up and said, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And I don't know why your mind does that, but your mind works pretty much all night. They call it REM sleep, your eye movement, rapid eye movement, which is if you don't have REM sleep, according to the studies I've read, you actually go crazy. I mean, you go nuts, crazy. You have to have REM sleep, meaning you, this rapid eye movement sleep, which is, has to do with really deep dreaming. So we never really shut down. Our brain waves are going, even when you're sleeping. So I don't think when the Bible talks about sleep, it's talking about your unconscious part. It's talking about the temporalness of death. The temporalness of you being uh, uh, dead, as, as the world would call it, uh, your body being buried, you're going to have a new body like in his glorious body and all that. that. That separation is a temporary thing. And so it says here, so we're not all going to sleep. We're not all going to die, but we shall all be changed. And the change is going to be for the better, amen? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's a word of the smallest divisible amount of time. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead, and dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Last trump, try, try, they try to make that the last trump of the judgment of the trumpet judgments, but it doesn't say that. You have to add that in, make it so. It doesn't say that. There can be a lot of last trumps. It could be the last trump given at that, at that event and not the last trump of the trumpet judgments. It didn't say it was, is it, which last trump, so it doesn't define it. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible have put on incorruption, this mortal have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Swallowed up in victory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I hope you know Jesus as your Savior. It really is a beautiful thing. So, let me make a, a point of logic. Your starting point often will determine your destination in life. Depending on where one starts makes all the difference where he ends up, finishes. If you take the prophecies of the Bible, and you interpret them in a figurative or allegorical way, then you'll end up with very, very different conclusions than those who take the Bible prophecy in a literal, normal sense. Fundamentalists, per se, take the Bible in a normal, literal Sense now we we understand figures of speech we understand comparisons and that that's literal. If it says something's as something, it doesn't mean it is that. It says it said it's as something. That's taking it in a literal meth method. 
And so it's, it's what you read books. It's the way you read books. It's the way you read a newspaper. It's the way you read magazines. You read it in a normal, literal way. The instruction manual to your grill. Well, I made a mistake one time. I put a grill together. Never do that again. Oh, my, my. I had to undo it. Got out of order and had to go back and undo it because I couldn't get a part in a certain place unless you did it in the order they wanted. Oh, I rebuilt a Holly carburetor. 71 or 76, 76 uh, to disassemble it, 76 moves, and to assemble it, 76 moves. You had to do it in order or you couldn't put it together. And I thought to myself, I'll pay 200, 300, whatever it costs for somebody to rebuild their carburetor. I'm not going to do that again. So why do I subscribe to the literal method of interpreting the Bibles? Because people, here's one of the real reasons. People from distant locations, different cultural backgrounds, nationalities, or various educational backgrounds can use the literal method and normal method of, of reading the Bible and reading Scripture and we all can come, speak different languages. We all will come to the same conclusions. And if I may say it this way, it can be over different time periods. In other words, a guy in the a first century can read the Bible, whatever part of the Bible he had, uh, and read it. And I would read it, and we'd come to the same conclusions. By the way, pre-tribulationism, from everything I've been able to research and the experts that I've been able to read on it, pre-tribulationism was taught... At, at the only teaching was pre-tribulation rapture up until about the second end of the second century. So the first and second century teachings from the people we have that wrote believed Christ would come at any moment. There was no signs before his coming for the church. Now obviously the second coming, there's all kinds of signs before the second coming. Wow, a whole list was well, 21 of them that are called the uh, seal judgments, trump judgments, trump Trump judgments and vile judgments. Then there's the Antichrist. Then there's 144,000 virgin male Jews that will go around preaching. Then there's the two witnesses. You with me? A lot of signs. And then, the, you know, the, the temple will be rebuilt. The Antichrist in the middle of the thing is going to stand in, in the Holy of Holies declare himself God, which I talked about on Sunday night. That's another sign that you're in the tribulation. But and so it, the second coming of Christ is not second coming of Christ where he puts his feet on the earth. It's not an imminent coming. There's many signs before it, and they'll know what's coming. But the church is always exhorted that we're kind of a, a thief in the night status. You know, keep your head up. Your redemption draws nigh. I mean, you know, any time, any moment, any, any place can happen. So I'll go into that more often. I'm not trying to be, this is not every proof text or every part of it. But So if you question some of this, there's more to be read on it than I will do tonight. So there's this is this this thing that, that I can a, a, a guy saved in Germany or a guy saved in Africa or a guy saved in China, we will read the same Bible and come to the same conclusions, pretty much the same conclusions if you take it literally in a normal sense. So why are there so many interpretations of the Bible? Because they don't take it in a literal normal sense. They take it in an allegorical sense, which is most cults, by the way. The Jehovah's Witnesses interpret the Bible allegorically. The Mormons interpret the Bible allegorically. The Seventh-day Adventists interpret the Bible allegorically. You can just go down. Uh, the liberal denominations, all. I'm, I'm talking Lutheran. I'm talking Presbyterian, liberal Presbyterian. I'm talking Episcopalian. All liberal denominations take the Bible in an allegorical method. They do not take it in a literal method. The Methodists. The old Methodists took it literal, but the new Methodists don't. Oh, John Wesley, he took it literal. 
But the, those who followed him later on, they, they went to an allegorical method. And when you go to an allegorical method, it's a storytelling method. In other words, at Genesis, the six days of creation weren't really six days. There were six whatever you want to make them. Six periods of time. There were six, the six churches. The seven churches. The eight churches. No, the seven churches of Revelation. People want to try to make that eight periods age. They were like a time frame of ages. No, that's not in there. That's allegorical. You're reading into that. You can't do that. In respect for what God wrote, you got to take it for what it says. There were seven literal, real, existing churches of the day in the cities that were mentioned. And then God had a message for each one of them. Now, of those seven churches, there's churches today that exist that are like Laodicea Church and churches like the Philadelphia Church. There's churches exist like the Smyrna Church. You with me on that? And churches like the Church at Ephesus. But it is, they're not time periods. They're not age periods. It, it, you can't find that taught anywhere. You've got to make it up. You've got to assume it. You've got to allegorically put it to the text. But it's not there. If you were reading a newspaper, if you were reading a magazine, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't say this is, has a deeper meaning and a secret thing. It's trying to, no, you wouldn't. You'd say it says what it is, face value, that's what it is. So no matter where people are, if they, if, they, if they develop the Bible in a literal, normal sense, they can all agree. That's why I agree with born-again Christians back in the 2nd century, 3rd century, 4th century, 6th century, 10th century, 12th century, eight, you know what I mean? I agree with folks saved in the 1800s. I mean, we just have the same, we line up with the same belief system, the same major doctrines, the same interpretation. How do you do that? Because you know people. Well, if we all are disciplined by the literal normal method, and that's the reason now, I had to spend a little time on that because it's real important. Because with a literal normal method of interpretation, you're going you're gonna to come to a conclusion that there's going to be a rapture of the church, and it's going to be prior to the seven-year tribulation period, which was primarily not given to the church at all. The, seven, the 70th week of Daniel, everybody agrees the tribulation is the 70th week of Daniel was never given to the church. church did not exist. It was always given to Israel. All the verbiage is around Israel. And it's not been fulfilled. And, and you know, Mark Robinson, when he talked about, I think he talked about Jeremiah 31, 32, 33, he said, you know, the, uh, am, I gonna fin- am, I, am I done with Israel, God said? No, I'm not done with Israel. If you can make me forsake Israel, I'll forsake the day, I'll forsake the sun. Uh, you know, you gotta, if you can change those things, I'll forsake Israel. He's never going to forsake Israel's Israel, the church is a church. They're two different things, and they're, and they're going to stay two different things. They're people of God, and they have, there are commonalities between Israel and the church. They're children of God. We're going to share heaven together. And I'll go on with some other stuff here in a minute here. So let me see what I got on my next slide. How do you like that? I don't know where that is or what. I didn't take the picture. Six reasons for the rapture. So those are, those are the verses I just went over. I could have had that. You read that, but I didn't. Six reasons for pre-trib rapture. Okay, so the first reason, I'm going to give six reasons. You believe this? I'm going to give six reasons in 20 minutes. You believe in miracles? The argument from omission. Let me re- reason with you. As one reads the book of Revelation, you find the church is mentioned on earth 
Psalm 19 times in chapter 1 through 3. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, where he says to John, come up hither. John is a representative of the born-again of the born-again church. He says, come up hither. From chapter 4 to chapter 19, there's not one mention of the church on earth. Again, strange. I'm not saying these are totally conclusive. What I'm saying is a flower has a lot of petals, doesn't it? A sunflower have 30, 40 petals. The rapture's in the middle, and these are just petals of the flower. Now, you don't judge a flower by one petal or two petals or three petals. You look at all the petals. But when all the petals are put together, you got a flower. And when all the little indications and arguments of the Bible are all put together, you got a pre-tribulation rapture. And I don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture because I want to or I have any bias to. I simply believe it because it's the only one supported by the Bible. The other two positions, mid-trib, well, actually three positions, mid-trib, post-trib, and pre-wrath, they're not supportable by the Bible. i got too many glitches that can't be, their flower only has half the petals. It's not like I don't have any petals, but they only have about half the petals. So the, I like that petal illustration there. Okay, so why the absolute and complete omission of the beloved body of Christ so important to the Savior and the main subject of the first three chapters? Why? Why, when speaking about matters of judgment and the world, the worldwide events there, uh, is there no instruction to the church if the church is going to go through the tribulation period? There's not one piece of instruction on how to survive it, how to act, what you can do. He told Lot, get out. He told Noah, get in. So what do you come? You come to the church with it, which by the way, this period of the tribulation is called, it's the greatest wrath that's ever come upon the earth before or after or will. Before, during, or, or after. No greater time of destructive wrath of God will ever have come upon the earth as severe as these seven years. You mean to tell me he didn't give a not a word of instruction to the church? He told Lot to get out. He told Noah to get in. He tells us nothing? That's because I don't think he has to. Because I think we're gone. And he's, we're under his protection already by that. So there's an obvious absence of the church there that I think screams of a rapture at chapter 4 through chapter 19. Of course, 19 is what? The second coming of Christ. And by the way, the second coming of Christ, what happens? He comes with his saints. We're told in the Bible in a few places. We go with him. We're going to be with him. Now, the riding the horses thing, I never did understand that. I just, I mean, I got 400 horses in my truck, but I do not know the riding of the horse thing. I never liked horses, actually, to be honest with you. They've all tried to kill me, anything horse I've ever been around. And, uh, Horses are temperate. They're funny, 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 funny. That's why women love them. But anyways, uh, chapter 6 through 7, one, one finds, oh, this is the second reason, emphasis on Israel and the Jews. So you look, and you see this period of tribulation as really a Jewish period or an Israel period. 
It's the great day, the great day of God's wrath, the sealing of some 144,000 church members. No, virgin male Jews are sealed. I told Joel Witness, I like to kind of draw him in. I say, are you, are you part of 144,000? Or, oh, it says it's already filled up. 144,000 already filled up the kingdom hall, already filled up. I said, are they all men? And were they all virgins? And were they all Jews? And of course, they weren't any of them. Well, they were some men. The other two parts, no. They can't be 144,000. And from the 12 tribes, these people are from the 12 tribes of Israel. And then what tribes are from is mentioned. And of course, uh, that's not the church. But nothing about the church, uh, which has been the main subject of God's work for over 2,000 years, most of the New Testament is the emphasis on the church and instruction to the church. Revelation chapter 6, verse 17 says, For the great day of his wrath has come, who shall be able to stand? I, I mentioned that on Sunday night. In verse 7, For after these things I saw four angels standing in the four quarters of, of earth, holding the four winds of the earth, and the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor, the, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel descend from the east, having the sea of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice, Four angels, to whom it had been given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. And I heard a number of them that were sealed, and they were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So no instruction, not a word at all to the beloved bride of Christ? Why? This absence strongly indicates, again, uh, the church has already and is already under the protection of God. We are screaming through this. Number three, the, the crowns on the 24 elders found in chapter 4 of Revelation. Revelation 4.1, after this I looked, and behold, the door was opened in heaven. This is, the, I believe, the, the description of the rapture. And the first voice which I heard, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. Coincidental? which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Just after two chapters that finished instruction of seven local churches, John, a representative of the member of the body of Christ, is called up to heaven by, a, coincidentally, a trumpet. Coincidence that he goes into heaven before he is, before he is shown the 21 judgments that are going to come upon the earth that time of wrath, that time of tribulation. Coincidence that the trumpet is mentioned? I don't think so. Uh, coincidence that the church is not mentioned uh, from chapter 4 to Revelation 19 where it has been seen the presence of Jesus having the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's chapter 19. We're with Jesus having the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then come with him in fire. So why? how can that be? So there's more. What about the crowns on the heads of the 24 elders? Said they had crowns. In, cha in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, 24 seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold. Now crowns for the Christian are not given out until the, after the judgment seat of Christ. That's important. There are five crowns for the faithful people of the church. Well, in 2 Timothy 4, 8, it says, Henceforth there was laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to, be only, but, not to me only, but unto all them 
that love is appearing. He's talking about the church, himself included. There's a crown of glory in 1 Peter 5.4. There's a crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4.8. Incorruptible crown, 1 Corinthians 9.25. And a crown of life in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. All these crowns are given to us by the chief shepherd when he shall appear. And you find that in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. The chief shepherd dishes them out. And that's, it can, they cannot be given out until there is a judgment. In other words, your works are, remember in Corinthians where it talks about your works being burned up, some of them, the gold, silver, precious stones, you get reward for those, but the haywood stubble, the burn up, you know, the stuff you wasted time or didn't do what God wanted you to do, that's burned up and it doesn't count for any reward. So evidently, these rewards to these 24 elders has been given out already to them at the very beginning of the tribulation period, chapter 4. That's in, so it makes sense to me that there's been a rapture, there's been a judgment, and the judgment seat of Christ is called the Bema Seat Judgment, and the crowns have been distributed already for these people. Well, let me go a little further. There's 24, the number's important. 12 represent, I believe, the tribes of Israel. 12 are representative of the 12 apostles. Let me show you why I believe that. This is consistent with the New Jerusalem that has 12 foundations named after the 12 apostles. Let me read it. Revelation 21, 14 says, The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That's not coincidence. There's 12 apostles, 12 foundations. That's big, amen? You got me? Follow me now. Follow me. And then there's 12 gates. Revelation 21, 12 said, He had a great wall, great and high, and 12 gates. All the gates, 12 angels, names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Not coincidences. There's 24 elders, and there's 12 foundations, and there's 12 gates. 12 of them named after the Israel. 12 of them named after the people of the church. The foundation. By the way, apostles are the pillars, Christ being the foundation of stone, really, but apostles are the pillars of the church. So here's a point to ponder. Uh, the, these crowns for the church are not given out until after the resurrection, so they have these crowns. makes sense that they, 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 these 12 names uh, that are on the, the gates and 12 names that are on the foundations. So it gives strong indication that the church has been raptured, resurrected, judged before the 21 judgments are poured out upon the earth and Antichrist revealed. And that these 24 are 12 of Israel and 12 of the church. The second, the fourth point here, the reason for the pre-tribulation rapture, I believe, is a focus on Matthew 24 on Israel with no mention of the church. Matthew chapter 24 is not speaking of the rapture. Not speaking of the rapture. It's speaking of the second coming. It's speaking of those folks in Israel and in Judea, those that are in Judea flee. It doesn't mention any other part of the world. It focuses on the children of Israel. And it's, it talks about things that happened during the tribulation period. It's not there for the church. These, those, if I may say, that are caught in the tribulation period. There's no mention, no mention of any other country or nation. Matthew 24, 26. Uh, they are told to pray that this devastation does not occur on a Sabbath day. That has to do with the Jews, not the church. Um, 
It has no meaning to the church. For 2,000 years, the church has been on the first day of the week. The Sabbath day was a sign between Israel and Jehovah, but not the church. Exodus chapter 16, verse 29. So, it's another indication, another, another uh, petal on the flower that the church is not part of the tribulation period. The fifth reason. Fifth reason. Uh, for the rapture is Paul's reference to missing the coming wrath of God. And I mentioned this on Sunday night some. Uh, some people want to say, well, that means, uh, yes, I've been saved from hell. Yes, you have been saved from hell. But you've not just been saved from the wrath of hell. You've been saved from God's wrath. Are you with me? Anywhere, anytime. Now, God disciplines. Okay, you have four girls. You discipline, but you did not put your wrath on them. Now, they may have thought so. But you did not put your wrath on them. You love them. You're not trying to destroy your children when you discipline them. You're trying to help them and correct them. There's a lot of difference between wrath and discipline. Even though at the time it's happening, it may not seem all that different. I know when my dad disciplined me, I thought the end of the world was coming. And so, but I, I realized that man loved me. So when God, and he's going to discipline us, and he, he, uh, every child he receives, he chastises, absolutely. Because you need correction, and he loves you, and he's going to correct you. But that's not wrath. Wrath doesn't have the end of, of conversion or change. Wrath is punitive. You're familiar with punitive justice. That means when somebody's murdered somebody, they tell them they get the death penalty. They're not trying to reform them with the death penalty. It's punitive. Life for life. You kill, you are to die. That's punitive judgment, not reformation. And the prison supposedly is for reformation, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know that whole deal. They ask me, our whole system of prisons messed up. But anyway, we know that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, his first coming, was what delivered the believer from hell's wrath. Amen. We've been delivered from the wrath of God. I'm happy about this. I may get happy about it. This wrath mentioned by Paul must be referring to the tribulation wrath that is to be poured out upon the whole world. First Thessalonians 1.10, let me read it. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now talking about hell. There's some wrath coming beside hell on the earth. Now, I know that because the Bible says it. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5.9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath any form of wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, and in Revelation 3.10, Because thou hast kept the hour of my patience, Church of Philadelphia, and I mentioned this on Sunday night, also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the earth. It's not a localized thing. It's all the earth to try them that dwell upon the earth. And so to confirm what I'm saying here in Revelation chapter 6, verse 17, it says, for the great day, and this is in the tribulation period, it says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Now that cannot be, you say, well, he'll protect the believers. There's no provision anywhere of how he would do that or that he would do it. Not a mention. You see, God is going to unlash His wrath as never before during the seven-year period, and no other time in history has ever been like it before. And I, I get that from Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, there should be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time 
And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone shall be found written in the book. Daniel, thy people, Jews. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the last one. Man, I can't believe it. Gonna get done on this. Number six, restraining of evil. This is a, this is really some of the more powerful of the arguments which I mentioned on Sunday night. For the rapture is the taking out of the Holy Spirit's restraining. We read that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you want to read that for yourself, go ahead, read it slow. Paul seems to explain to the Thessalonian Christians the difference between the coming of Jesus for the church and the great day of Christ's coming and the battle of Armageddon. He's taught them about our gathering together, and it uses the word unto him, and then goes in to explain the signs that precede the revelation of the Antichrist, the final battle. Let no man deceive you that day shall not come except it come of falling away first. As you know, the three signs that are falling away first, man of sin be revealed, and then the power, restraining power of evil, the Holy Spirit taken out of the earth. And that's the part I want to talk about. So it reveals a vital truth about the nature of the tribulation because the Holy Spirit's ministry of holding back evil will be taken out of the way. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Clear as crystal, if you take it in normal, literal sense. And when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, he that leteth will continue to let, you know, in other words, uh, he, he that's holding down, the word leteth can mean to hold down or to restrain. He ceases to hold down or restrain the wicked ones revealed. So what's keeping the beast from being revealed right now? You and me. The Holy Spirit's in every one of us, will not be taken away from us. John chapter 14 cannot always be with you. And we're the salt of the earth. As I mentioned, we're the light of the world. Our job is to restrain evil in a lot of ways. We got an abortion sign up on 41, had one for years and years and years and years, had one up there. Who knows how many people have turned away from aborting their child. We have restrained evil. We've protested along the road. I, for years, early on in the 90s, I protested along the road. Abortion kills babies. And we had a, well, it was a special day a year, I think, that they did that. We went along in 41. Remember that? Anybody in here did that? Yeah, a few of them. Amen. We care about it. We're staying evil. If we were here when the Antichrist is revealed, we're going to know who he is. We're going to know who he is. And we would protest, we would make a fit, you know, we'd put up billboards, newspapers, TV, radio, door-to-door. We'd go to jails, nursing homes, and everywhere we go saying, this guy's a phony, a fake, a deceiver. Would hurt him. And and, And to the place where he cannot even be revealed until we're gone. Because when we're gone, two things happen. When the rapture takes place, God sends strong delusion. So those two things must take place. We need to be gone, and then God sends a strong delusion that they believe lie. Who does he send it to? In them that perish. I told you that Sunday night. In them that perish. Those who have already hardened their heart against the God, they're not going to be saved no matter how much gospel they get. Who knows who those people are? Only God does. And God's the one that sends that delusion on them. There will be millions and millions and millions of born-again people during the tribulation period. But they will have to die for their faith. God never, I'll say this, prove me wrong. God doesn't so much protect us from the wrath of man. We're a sheep to the slaughter. You memorize it. We got brothers right now being persecuted by Muslims. Being their throats being cut, being covered with gasoline, set on fire. 
God's not protecting them. They're dying for him. Why? Because we're like sheep. We're sacrifices already. My life is hid in him. Let me say this. If God the Father would treat his son the way he got treated, am I worthy to be treated better than Jesus was treated? No. And though he allows many of us to go through life without much persecution, some people are chosen out to be martyrs. And to and by the way, they're going to have a special place in heaven, special reward. They're going to be close to the throne of God, something else. So, so think of this. All of a sudden, the entire saved population world is gone. There are no mature saved people to advise, to teach, or to instruct in the way of righteousness. There's nobody out there to tell anybody how to get saved. Even if immediately, and I believe immediately, people will begin to trust Christ after the rapture, but if they do, they're babies in Christ. I mean, you remember when you were first saved, you didn't know one verse of the Bible, not one verse. I mean, you didn't even know the books of the Bible. You couldn't navigate the Bible. I know it's in there somewhere. That's the way these people are going to be. They're, going to have, they're, not, they're not going to be uh, all, all ready to teach other people. So even if immediately people begin to trust Christ, they're still going to be babies. The restraining power of the Holy Spirit has been drastically taken out of the earth, reducing his witness worldwide, and their power to restrain evil will be withdrawn. So they're basically going to be driven. If you don't take the mark, you won't be able to buy or sell. I mean, we're hearing liberals talking about that with this, with this vaccine. They're talking foolishness, craziness. If you don't take the vaccine, you can't travel. What's that about? can't ride on an airplane. Well, I don't want to ride an airplane, to be honest with you. They're doing me a favor. But a lot of you people fly. How about business people that got to fly? They have to fly. I sure hope the Supreme Court knocks that down. But it don't look good. But it, it kind of gives you a feel for how they squeeze you. You can't buy or sell. And if you can't buy or sell, wait a minute, if you can't buy or sell, what, do you, what is, if you can't buy or sell, how do you get food? How do you get gas? How do you get anything? You see the persecution they'll be under. Then when he finds them, he's gonna, it looks like they're going to cut their head off. That's what it looks like. The favored method of execution is behead, beheading, guillotine beheading. That also was one of the favorite execution methods of the Islam, by the way. So this last point may be the strongest point of, of what he gives in these six points. So we do not know when the uh, the uh, rapture will take place. Let me, let me say this as I finish. The church is told to look, to be expected. If you read First Thessalonians chapter five, verse one through nine, Second uh, Peter three, thirteen and fourteen, Luke chapter twelve, verse four, verse thirty-five through forty, the parable there. Uh, uh, you don't know what hour the Son of Man cometh. You're supposed to be ready. The church, the message to the church is be ready to go. Be ready to go. Keep your, keep your, keep them. We're told, who are you looking for tonight? Jesus. You're not looking for the beast. The church is never told. When you see this guy come up and he has 666, run for the hills. Never told that. We're not given any instruction at all because we're not going to be there. That's what I believe. You say, well, what brother, what if you what what if you are there? 
Well, I'm going to help some folks. But I'm not going to. I don't think I'm going to be there. I mean, if it's very far down the road, I know I'm not going to be there. Amen. Do people say the Lord's coming is always imminent? Well, to a point, you know, death is imminent. None of you tonight know whether tomorrow morning you'll see the sun. You don't know that. So to that point, you're imminent. But we're talking about the coming of the Lord. And it's talking specifically about that. Let me see if i got anything else here. The times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that are right unto you. For yourselves know perfectly the day the Lord cometh to the thief in the night. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction cometh upon them, travail upon a woman with child, and they have not they shall not escape. My wife wanted to have choice of bad, sat on the side of the bed, cried like a baby. I wanna have this baby. And I'll never forget I didn't what was I supposed to do? I'm a nineteen year old young man, very full of compassion. I went to bed. Slept like a baby. At midnight, at midnight, she woke me up. She said, it's time. I went back to sleep. I turned over and went back to sleep. I thought she was kidding. She woke me back up. She said, it's time. I had a Volkswagen bug. Jumped in that bug, ran to the hospital, Cart General Hospital, and guess what? A little bouncing baby boy came. He's coming in an hour that you think not. As a woman, don't know when she's going to really, it'll hit her. It just hits you out of the blue. So Christ is coming. Well, may this help you some. There's much more to this subject than this. If you want to get a book, you want to search it further, you get a book called Things to Come by Dwight Pentecost. Things to Come by Dwight Pentecost. Also, there's a book out there on the book of Revelation by a guy named Walvord. Walvord. Also, a guy by the name Ryrie does great work on this. A guy by the name Hebert does great work on this area. And any of them boys are straight shot, good people, won't lead you astray. Father, thank you tonight for your kindness, your mercy, the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.